The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 180. I wish we were making a 180-degree turn from the football program, but that's not what we're doing tonight. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. I, I am clapping off camera because what a what a sell. What a <laughs> way to open that episode with a 180. I'm, I'm going to be over here trying not to talk about the Case 150 steam tractor that I watched YouTube videos on today. Uh, I guess we'll actually talk about some sports. and Some esports. We may talk some farming simulator at the end. Yeah, but I say esports gets farming sim on there. Uh, These guys up in Germany do, like, they'll stream tournaments. I'm not sure how you do a tournament in farm sim. Um, Have you not watched any? I've actually watched They're like six hours. I've only watched a couple of the matches. And I assume it's like you try to make as much money and hard, like, Harvest yeah. as much as you can in the allotted time. I don't know, man. It, yeah, that's it's wild. basically it. But I don't. Yeah. I can't. Con, I can't commit six hours to watch somebody live stream farm sim. I just watch a couple of the matches. I think sometimes I'll have the highlights, and you can kind of get the gist of it. I think it's a ten or twelve minute round, but it's exactly like you said. Anyway, we should probably move on. Maybe we could save this for later. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about basketball. Uh, the season rolls on. We got a couple of injury updates schedule predictions projections reviews and previews uh football (laughs) we're gonna at least talk about some 2020 stats football wrap-up yeah recap Um, memoriam what is happening what isn't happening things we've heard (laughs) things we haven't heard uh and then look at i guess the big 12 schedule because you know, back in July when we got the schedule, it's like, hey, look, we're going to be playing in December. We've never played in December before, uh, we being Texas Tech. Like, we've never played this late. And like, as much as uh, as, as, as I wanted that kind of exposure, because, you know, that like typically that first weekend in December is championship weekend. All the championship games are playing. Texas Tech is usually done. Um, but with all the dang games that got canceled... And Texas Tech surprisingly got through all 10 games without having to reschedule. There is like a full slate of games this upcoming Saturday on the 12th. And Tech isn't playing because they were able to get through their, their schedule on time. Yeah, it's bizarre. It just kind of feels like the same thing that we've experienced the last several years where Tech had their weird bye week at the after Thanksgiving. At the, at the last, like, the last week of the, of the schedule, Tech is on a bye week. Yeah. And that wasn't how it was initially planned. That's how it's working out. Yep. That's how it's going out with all the, all the makeups and everything. So it's of course a, a weird ending, but, but you know, nothing too, uh, too crazy considering the year. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look at the big 12 standings. Um, 
we'll answer now what, cause that's kind of what I, what I, the little preview text I put on the last uh, episode that we did, the, the instant reaction over Kansas, we will go through our preseason prediction tracker, show you where we were right, where we we're wrong, why we're upset over getting to the four and six record we picked four months ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then talk about what we learned guys. If you want to follow us on Twitter, the show can be found at 23 personnel and can follow me Spencer at punts suck two S's there recently did an update on the avatar had to drop Jonathan Garibay. Sorry, dude. When you go one for four, you got to go. Well, I think he was, I think he ended up three for three or three for six. I mean, whatever it was. Yeah, whatever. He still missed three. He missed, he missed a few, but they were all, anyway, go ahead. They were all full 40 yard plus. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, we talked about that at Michael underscore LBK for Michael. You can follow us on Instagram at 23 personnel podcast. You can pick up your 23 personnel merch at teespring.com slash store slash 23 personnel podcast. And for the final time, at least, I think we have one more scheduled appearance on the Rob Bro College Tailgate Show, seeing as the season's been extended this weekend, Saturday, 10 to noon on kkam.com. Talk 1340 and ESPN 960 in San Angelo. Um, we will be moving into football recaps, basketball. Um, Michael and I will be making sporadic appearances during basketball season. Uh, yeah, I think, no, no commitments set at the, at the moment. We're, we're going to hand but, the reins uh, off to KU fan, um, podcast mate of Rob bro, Clint to handle the tackle the tip off basketball um so we can still preserve our our expertise somewhere because if we if we talk too much about basketball you guys know this we're exposed Ooh, whoa yeah big uh big exposed area speaking of basketball let's get there but first guys the wait is over football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Michael. Yes. Let's talk the round ball. Yes. Gosh, this chair sucks. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he stepped back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top. McCormick in a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. Crossover in the line. Owens! Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good! What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready double into Tariq. Oh, and who puts it down? Already. Odiasi throws it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. 
separation. Oh, big shot. Stepping up big time. Dagger. Over the dish. Odiassi. And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. All right. So... This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Okay, I've noticed this, Michael. When I'm editing the podcast, whenever I come back from one of these sport intro interlude, I always say, all right. More, oh. more often than not, I try to edit that out because it's one, because I, I, I experience the, all right, so, <laughs> so often and like back to back succession of like, this is stupid. I should stop doing this. Then every week, every intro. All right. So, <laughs> well, maybe that's your thing. That, that's your signature thing. That's your, you're looking live. <laughs> but, um, it's your, it's your drinking game. If you listen to the podcast, every time someone says, all right, so take a drink. <laughs> I'm sure there's several things I say that I repeat quite a bit and, and I don't need to hear what they are. That's fine. No one has to tell me. <laughs> I want to preserve I, I that. Can go on without knowing. Preserve that, that, that glass ceiling or house, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> glass ceiling. Not glass ceiling. No, it's like the, the glass house. Glass house. Sink ships. Ships passing in the night. Loose lips. Yeah. Something like that. All right. I think we got it. I almost said so right there. I said, all right, so there it is. Dang it. <laughs> That's a good sequitur. Injury updates. We all saw the weird, um, not directly involved with the play. Terrence Shannon rolled his ankle. He stepped on a player's foot away from the ball this past weekend and rolled his ankle. Chris Beard did say it's a high ankle sprain, which is no bueno, but he did indicate after, um, x-rays that there wasn't a break which is what i think we saw with mclean carter when he had his high ankle sprain he actually broke bone doing it um which kept him out so long shannon beard said could be out a game could be out a week could be out a few weeks it's one of those really weird things where 
that kind of ankle sprain is tough. Like I said, it's usually, it usually involves a break of a bone, which doesn't sound like a high ankle sprain. It sounds like you broke your leg, <laughs> but sure. Yeah. Um, he did give a, a quick update on one color. He said, you know, we're not quite ready to get to day to day yet. Still in the boot. Um, but should, I mean, he said he's, he indicated he's getting closer to that point. Um, now, obviously when he comes back, he's still not going to be, you know, mid season 2019 form, but his presence is definitely going to be helped, going to be felt on the court, but I don't have anything else specific. Michael, have you heard anything on either of those players? Any kind of, no, okay. He's, he's kind of kept it close to the vest. Like you said, and you know, the only thing I kind of wanted to speculate on slightly was who's going to start, do you think, in place of Shannon? Do you think, you know, we could see Smith get in there? I know that's not really the same position, but he just seems like a guy that, that Beard's been trying to get a little bit more playing time. I'm just, I'm just not really sure. Yeah. I mean, Tyreek Smith does make a, a good comparison there. I think, uh, at least in size, they, I mean, as much as Chris Beer likes to play positionless basketball, they're, they're, these would be considered different positions, but still yes. close. Um, and it's not that Tyreek Smith can't contribute on a level that Shannon was. They're just different positions, different asks. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say Smith, but I think, you know, as much as we're, we're moving on without Joel and Tomboy, we're going to see Smith pick up more minutes, Agbo pick up more minutes. We're seeing Goldine pick up more minutes. And I can't tell you how much I enjoy watching the team react to Golding making a shot or a dunk. Like the, it's the best thing, <laughs> the, um, the sideline, the, the, the team area just erupts whenever he gets the ball and down low in the paint and he goes up with a little bunny hook shot. Um, or like he gets, you know, a lob down to the paint and throws it down. Or he drains two free throws. <laughs> or makes they two went free nuts throws. on that too. Yeah, I love it. Uh, obviously, he's connecting with the team. Beard said, I think, I think it was today or in his radio show that he's still adjusting to the American game, but at that size and his his progression, he's going to continue to get minutes. He's going to continue to be out there on the court. Um, I just can't believe how well he moves. Yeah, he moves pretty well. What 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 I think I found a little bit surprising is for somebody that's 7-1, he doesn't, he plays smaller than that. He doesn't really make his presence known. He's not like up over the top of the smaller players around him as much. Because um, there were several times in, in the past games, a couple weekend against, this past weekend against Troy and Grambling State where, you know, his man, like he, on defense, he was in the lane, had his man, and like the guy was able to get up and over him. Uh, yeah. What it looked like fairly easily, like, dude, you're like a foot taller than this guy. You'd be swatting that ball into the upper deck. Yeah. I, I noticed that a few times as well. He's just kind of got that, uh, the build of a, or, or the speed and the mentality, maybe, maybe not mentality. That's too much to say, but kind of plays like a, like a power forward, even though he's really <laughs> as tall as a center or kind of, let's not make any crazy comparisons here, but of course the first, seven foot white guy I think of is Dirk Nowitzki. And so he kind of has that same thing to him, except he's being asked to play in the lane all the time as far as athleticism and moving up and down the court. But I think he can jump higher than Dirk. I mean, not 
that didn't take a whole lot. Well, when you start that much higher off the court, off the floor. Yeah, you don't need that much. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the games this past week. You had two. One was a late addition when you brought in Troy. Um, the two games this weekend were against some of your weakest opponents of the season. I think they were 28, 30 point win, win projections. Uh, Troy, you beat by 34, 80 to 46. Um, I believe this is one of the lowest scoring games that you've allowed at Texas Tech like ever. Um, and, I, and I think it was, uh, it was like one of four. Um, anyways, you, you only allow Troy to score 46. You know, early on in the first half, it was like four to three or whatever. And you got a really slow start going. And then you went like on a 30 to nothing run <laughs> in the half. You're like, hmm, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I guess that'll work. It, that was that was one of those that just kind of started off really slow and everyone was getting a little bit nervous, but yeah, ended up not being a problem. Yeah, I had some I had some stats clicked in there, but I think I accidentally clicked the the same game on two stats. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, sorry. So <laughs> to to start the scoring, um Tech went up 4 nothing. Uh, Troy tied it at four. Um, and then at one point, Troy took the lead seven to six. And then basically from there, you scored 23 points. You went on a 23-2 run uh, in like seven minutes. So you, you went from seven to six to 29 to nine. Um, ended the half up 25 points, 47-22. But like I said, it, it took you um, five minutes of game time to break double digits in, in terms of your score. So then you put up 37 in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was that the game that... No, the next game, Grambling State was the game where McClung randomly scored a bunch of points, but most of it was on free throws. Yeah, I so what I'm, that was. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. Let, let me see um, when McClung did it because in one game, yeah. So it was Troy. He scored. Um, what, did, what am I looking at? I, I, I need to see splits here. I think he scored like 12 points in the first couple of minutes. Um, yeah. Why can't I see splits on this? It doesn't matter. Uh, he he exploded. He had 20 points in the game. Led all uh, all scores. Had most of that, like I said, in the first half. Only played 23 minutes. Um, Kyler Edwards played the most at 25 minutes, which is like sixth man numbers in terms of minutes in a game. Um, well, I mean, that's probably a little high. But when we look at rotations and scores, whatever, 20 minutes for your, your starters is not very many. Um Then you went on, like I said, you went on to win this game 80 to 46 fairly easily. I mentioned it was one of your lowest scoring um, outputs on defense. You followed it up on Sunday, only allowing 40 points. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah, doubled I up in Grambling State. If you set a record against Troy, then Golden State's obviously going to 
Well, not Golden State. Grambling Golden State. State. I kept. I keep saying that. I keep saying Golden State. I've been saying that. The, you know, in between podcasts. I don't know why. Yeah, you 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 end up winning this game eighty one to forty. Um, you shot forty two percent from the field, forty four percent from three. You only allowed Grambling State to connect on two three pointers for fourteen percent shooting. You went to the free throw line a bunch, twenty seven times. And you turned over Grambling State 30 times. You made them commit 30 turnovers. That was and insane. They only shot 37 field goals. Yeah. They had, so, uh, at one point, it was like a three to one turnover to field goal ratio. I remember it got I, close to two to one. It was in, they had a stat during the game, that crazy broadcast that started off on AM radio. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't even AM radio. Day. It was like a cell phone from the middle of a field. <laughs> and then magically it was fine in the second half. No one ever said anything about it. No one addressed it. But what was funny is they had already, already recorded some of the promos. This game brought to you by so-and-so, so-and-so, and it would just, it would jarringly go back to the AM. The bad radio. Uh, you know, landline. Yeah. But but yeah, I think at one point it was 40 something percent of the time that uh, Grambling State had the ball, they turned it over. That's a, that's a lot. But I'm not sure what that number <laughs> actually ended. It, it, no, it was not good. And yeah. Tech was all over the place and they were merciless. Almost felt bad for them at the end because they just, they kept swiping and kept swatting and they were playing clean basketball. It wasn't anything to worry about or, you know, write write a, a letter to the editor about to Santa Fe newspaper or something. But it was just one of those things where I just really felt for the guys. <laughs> Cause I was like, just let them shoot a shot. They're probably going to miss it. You don't have to take it away from them every time. Yeah. As a team, you had 13 steals. Santo Silva had a steal. Edwards had two. PV had one. Shannon had one. McClung had one. It's a bunch obviously all off the bench. Um, the other thing, you only allowed Grambling to collect five offense, offensive rebounds. So you limited second chance points, whereas you had 15 offensive rebounds, 23 on the defensive side, so for 38 total to their 30. Um, they had three assists in the game. Oh. They had three assists on 37 or on 13 made field goals. Whereas Texas Tech had 16 assists on 26 field goals. Yeah, it's pretty good. It was a complete domination. Now the shooting percentages sound pretty close. Like I said, when you only allow 37 shots total and they, they hit on 35% of them, you're going to feel pretty good about it. You put up 62 field goal attempts for 42% from the field, but you shot 44% from three, nearly 80% from the free throw line. You were efficient, basically on all facets, facets, uh, and that's obviously when you when you see a score like eighty-one to forty, you took care of business against one of the worst teams in college basketball. But you got to play the schedule in front of you. I know, I know you 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 created the schedule, but you you, you don't want to do what Kansas State's doing, and they are they're they're paying teams to come in and they're losing to them. like like they lost to Fort Hayes State by thirteen. Yes. Uh, yeah, I had a, you were the one that pointed that out to me today. And I've been meaning to say this. If you're not following Ryan Mainville, he's with the 
Daily, Daily Torridor. Torridor. It, Ryan Mainville, DT, last name M-A-I-N-V-I-L-L-E. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's been fantastic to follow this basketball season. He's always got some good stats coming up. But to touch on that point you just made, he had this tweet out right before we started recording. He said, Kansas State just lost by 13 at home to Fort Hayes State, putting them one and f- one and four on the season. And their only win was a four-point victory against Kansas City. Who? Yeah. <laughs> so not 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 looking great. Not looking great up there in Manhattan. It's, it's, it's going to be rough for them. I, and and we talked about how, or not, we, we haven't talked about this in a while, but like what a cancer Cartier Jara was. And he, he's gone, right? You know, he's he's with uh, Virginia Tech, I believe. But like, dang, they they lost him. They, they lost Wade, um, Dean Wade. And without those two guys, it's like there's nobody left. And Bruce Weber, he may not survive this season as the Kansas State basketball coach. Ooh, I know, I know. And it's it's just going to be tough because for Wildcat fans in general, that football season was rough. You know, it started out so promising. Skylar Thompson gets hurt. And I'm sure that probably wasn't the only thing that kind of killed their dark horse Big 12 chances, but it sure didn't help. And then just the wheels came off. So pretty rough 2020 for K-State. Not that we're, we've fared any better in football season. We'll talk about that more later. We're actually um, categorically worse, but at least there's tech basketball for now that's 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 going strong and steamrolling the teams they're supposed to steamroll and as we head into what the last two games of non-conference before playing kansas i think gosh it's here yeah you've got uh conference play starting in about a week um two more non-conference games and then you'll you'll get the the game against lsu in about a month but really quickly talking about kansas day Ken Palm has them as 152nd team in the country. Uh, I'm trying to see like other teams around like, so Abilene Christian, who, who's coming in this week, 127th. Um, Stephen F. Statistically Austin. Statistically better than K-State. And I, I wouldn't doubt that right now. And that's no slight to Abilene Christian either. No, no. It's talking about just how bad Kansas State is. All right. Uh, Ken Palm for Texas Tech, uh, holding strong at five. Haslametrics, again, holding strong for Tech at number three. You still remain the highest Big 12 team uh, on Haslametrics. Uh, both of those were updated today. Um, your upcoming schedules. you got two games this week. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, you're going to host ACU, friend of Chris Beard, coaches that program, um, we just mentioned Ken Palm has them at 126th in terms of team rankings. Offense is good for 187th in the country. Defense good for 79th. Speaking of defense, your Red Raider defense, number one in the country Ooh. in terms Ooh. of adjusted defense, not just total defense, adjusted. This is taking into consideration the really bad teams you're playing and you keep that number. That, that number's moved from... I think it was 15 when we started the season and it was up to five last week. It was two. Now you're one. Your, uh, tempo still remains fairly slow. Uh, good for 264. Uh, I want to keep looking at that just to make sure that when, when we play teams that are 
really outmatched. They don't play like a really fast game that you can kind of say, hey, look out, they're going to try to run on you. Um, ACU uh, plays at 71.7 possessions to your 70.3, so fairly close. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, 71.3. So neither of these teams are going to try to get out and run on you. They're going to play the same kind of shot clock that, that Texas Tech does. Um, the projection for this game for ACU has, at least according to Haslametrics, Texas Tech winning by nearly 20 points, 75 to 57. The thing to watch, though, this is something that's been coming out a little bit and getting some attention. ACU forces a ton of turnovers. Now, as much as we talked about when you forced Grambling State into 30 turnovers, how crazy that was, they are averaging 25 turnovers a game. They're averaging 25. So, yeah, they're a solid team, man. You, you, Outside of, you know, St. John's and, and Houston, this was the other one that I thought, well, this is going to test our guys the most coming into the season. In terms of leaders in forced turnover, if, if, I saw this tweet from Cooper Watson at Cooper T. Watson uh, today, the 8th at 1215. Leaders in first to- forced turnovers, Stephen F. Austin, Florida State, Wake Forest, NC State. Number five is Abilene Christian, Clemson, then Texas Tech at 28.9. The St. John's team you mentioned that we were supposed to play, they're at 28.0 at 10th. Um, but there, there's a big gap. So Abilene Christian's at 32.3, forced turnovers, or forced turnover rate, Clemson at 31, and then Texas Tech 28.9. So there's a little bit of a gap between Clemson and Texas Tech at six and seven. So it could be a fight. <laughs> You're going to try yes. to get... All up in each other's faces. You're going to try to force a lot of turnovers. It, it could be ugly, really. Like, you're going to be honest, it could be a lot of turnovers in this game. Um, well, I think Seth, he posted in our Slack chat today, he was probably working on his preview a little bit. It's They're, they're kind of an odd team. They have two guards under six feet, and then their their high scorer is a seven-footer. Which makes sense. Like, if, 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 if that's where you have the size and skill, like... Just give it to your big man because at seven feet, like you're not going to, you're going to have a size advantage on a team that you're probably going to be overmatched. Like most, most times at like on the, most nights out on the court, I can't talk, which is ironic that I want to have a podcast, but yeah, they're leading score. They're like, Hey, (laughs) teams have problems defending seven foot big men get the ball to him down low and let him just wreck shop. That's what they're doing. So props for taking advantage of what you have. But the, that's why I'm kind of wondering if Smith will crack the starting lineup. I mean, you know, money should be on Burton probably, but that's kind of where I'm at with, with Smith coming in. Of course, he seems like a guy who may thrive coming off the bench. I, I just don't know. I just really like him. I want to see him play more. <laughs> I, I want to see Golding play more. And I understand that like... Yeah. Like you can't just say, well, he's got a seven footer. I'm going to put my seven footer out there. Right. That's not how it works always, you know? No, but I mean, you got to get his feet wet. You know, you got to, got to try to continue to build him up, uh, get him ready to play some minutes in conference play. So that would be interesting. Like I said, Wednesday night, um, let's look, which channel is that on Michael? That is on ESPN Plus at 6 p.m. So That's make a, sure you've got your ESPN Plus subscription intact. The the AM Corpus Christi game, however, it's at 1 p.m. on Saturday, but 
I think there it won't be broadcast. I have yet to see anything, even from Texas Tech TV or anything like that. And you know, since it's in Frisco, I'm sure that's a lot harder, especially now, to get a camera crew down there from from Lubbock, even. So I'd imagine that one you got to be sitting around a radio or get the get the app and listen to the game at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, so in that game versus the Islanders, they are the number 316th team in the country. So going back to the games, some of Detroit and Gremlin State, their offense is rated at 313th, defense at 301st. Hasometrics has this as a nearly a 31-point victory. This is the largest projected line from Hasometrics all season. Texas Tech is 4 and 1 in the season and 4 and 1 against the Haslametrics spread. Only one they didn't cover because they were favored to beat Houston by 2 points. They ended up losing that one. But as much as um Tech is is averaging nearly a 24 point line through these games. Um why did I say 4 and 1? We've played more than 5 games. No, I just I just wrote seven games. I'm at five. Good deal. What are you doing? What are you doing over there? Can't do math. Um, yeah, you're averaging, you know, like I said, 24-point lines per game, four and one against the spread. So I, I have good amount of confidence that you're going to continue to to perform as, as these advanced metrics have you going. I mean, that's why I like these so much. They're not, not just like, oh, well, they score... 38 points or you know whatever it would be um they score 80 points per game and they give up 74 whereas this team scores 81 like it's it's much more than that yeah like it's some straight up stat there's a lot more to compare and to come up with a determination sure well, you got to look at the good old strength of schedule who they've played and all that kind of good stuff yeah and and while texas tech's strength of schedule is down there that's not let's, good let's, let's be honest here it's it's not their fault and i'm sure there's a lot of schools in the same position the the thing that i can appreciate is both of these uh metrics have ways to consider strength of schedule that's why they're adjusted efficiency rankings adjusted offense adjusted defense this is opponent adjusted stats not just like texas deck is averaging 90 points per game well against the 300s you know, in terms of like best teams in the country. Yeah. That doesn't mean as much. So set your, your reminder to jump on ESPN plus tomorrow, Wednesday to watch ACU and then stay tuned for possible broadcast. I mean, at this point, I don't think you're going to get it. I think you have to tune to the radio for Saturday at one versus Corpus Christi, Texas A&M Corpus Christi Islanders. Yep. And then the following Thursday, Kansas is in town. It's crazy. And what's even crazier is OU and TCU played last week already. They've already started their conference schedule. Yeah. So OU, um, I think they came away with a close win in Fort Worth in that god-awful looking Horn Frog scale court, whatever that whatever that is. Does that mean that uh, OU is not as good as we were thinking they would be? I mean, if, if, they, if they escaped T- you know, Fort Worth, TCU with a close win doesn't say much about them. It's really hard to tell at this point. I didn't know what to think about it. 
to, to be honest with you. Well, <laughs> I just thought, well, there, that's something. I guess we'll probably know more in about six weeks. If you what that look, means, but yeah, they won eighty two seventy eight. If you want to look at Ken Palm, 20, uh, Oklahoma was the twenty fourth ranked team, and that was OU's second game. That was only their second game of the season. TCU is the sixtieth team, so yeah, it's probably just a little bit of first early season jitters, first yeah. game on the road type thing. But not look into it too much. But just something worth note is that. It's as early as it seems to have Kansas come to town. Oklahoma and TCU have already played. They played Sunday. All right, Michael, let's uh, let's shift gears and go into some football. takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek breaks the tackle, still running up the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. O'Harrell in the shotgun. From the 28, the throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's going to win. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. So, coaching update, Michael. What have we heard? Well, we've heard a lot of nothing. <laughs> we've heard, we've a, heard lot a lot of... of uh, a, a lot combination of, of a lot of stuff that things are happening. Things are definitely happening. Uh, people are meeting. There are meetings happening and, and people are talking and they're talking and, and moving on. And, but they're not moving on really. But don't be surprised if something's different. So uh, nothing. Uh, the only thing I can kind of say with some certainty is I think all the Bryles talk is out. I don't think that's – it's kind of like we had predicted for the last couple of weeks if Hoka's still around – that's not even going to be an issue. I don't think that's an issue for, um, I mean, I think that'd be an issue for Skuvenek too. I just, I think people still try to stir it up on Twitter because it gets traction and it's interesting and, and definitely warrants a reaction, usually a, a negative one, but I think that's just out the window. So now we're just kind of, what do you know? Have you heard anything Spencer? Well, so when we were talking about that, I, I, I would want something to be like some kind of tracker. Like this person said this was happening for sure on Sunday. It's Tuesday. Or there was some kind of big team meeting on Monday. What happened? Nothing. There was a team. There was a meeting between Hokut and Skuvenek and some big money donors tonight. What happened? Nothing. Like I want to track all these projections, predictions, uh, <laughs> these, my guy had breakfast with this dude who knows this guy who, married this dude's cousin and he said he's definitely being interviewed by Texas Tech. Well, the Board of Regents, they, they all want Kirby out and then you hear, well, it's actually maybe just one of them and the rest of them really don't care about athletics and then, well, the, the donors are not even really bringing up Bryles that much either. I mean, it, yeah, everybody's walking back everything, saying whatever they want because there's no way to check it. it but, but what doesn't help, what doesn't help anything is that Texas Tech has said nothing. They have said jack shit 
and they are just letting things go far off into the danger zone as much as they want. Hoka was supposed to have his weekly show on Wednesday at noon. He's no longer having that because the Lady Raiders rescheduled a game, I think against Angelo State at noon on Wednesday, and that'll be broadcast on the same station that he does his show. So everyone was thinking and hoping that he'd be on there with Geo and we might learn a little bit of something, whether he's endorsing Wells, whether he's requesting Wells make some changes, whether he's looking for to completely redo everything. We, we know nothing and, and who knows stuff could all come out as I'm saying this stuff, but it's, it's not a great look to, to go this many days without some form of just even just a written statement. We look forward to another year with coach Wells and his team and think that they can give tech the success that, you know, become the elite pro program that we've been, uh, I love trying to build. Work, I love when you work program in when you're referring to the whole cut with the L just how add the L. whole cut. Um, yeah, I mean, here, here's where, like, as much as I, I would, I, I want Wells to be replaced. Um, the fact that Hokut hasn't said anything yet is like, well, then it would appear that there's still, there's still conversations happening, there's still discussions happening on the future of the program, whatever, whatever that may be, right? And I mean, if if they were going to fire Wells, I think we would have seen it already happen, right? Like, there's, there's no. Oh yeah. Going yeah. back and forth discussion for four days. Like, you know what? We couldn't, we couldn't come to an agreement that he should have replaced his offensive coordinator. So I'm going to go ahead and fire him. No, like if you're going to fire him, you would have made that decision on Sunday. Um, I agree with that. And it's maybe even the fact that Wells wasn't even on the sideline is factoring into his timing a little bit. He may want to be a little, uh, not come across as, as ruthless, but just, <laughs> are you sick with COVID? Bye. You're fired. Yeah. Well, bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> your your team only won by three. So, uh, adios. But I don't. He seems like someone who's kind of worried about that and decorum and that sort of thing, which is is good. I would want that, uh, you know, in my leaders. Um, but I, I I do think uh, you know he's left it open for for that to basically be the assumption is that Wells is definitely coming back. My buddy Adams joked with me several times. He's like, well, the longer this goes, the longer Wells extension is going to be. <laughs> well, he's done be working out an extension. <laughs> Maybe, you know, he, he might be secure up to 2030 by now. I'm not sure. But the, the longer this goes, he's just going to come out and everybody's extended. And no, I don't know. But yeah, that seems to be where it's leaning now. The fact that there's no news means that there's not going to be, a head coaching change at least. And all we can do is speculate as to what other changes may take place, if any. Yeah. So the, the latest speculation I've heard is that while Hokut may be encouraging some changes on the staff, Wells is basically saying, nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. He, he, no, I hired these guys two years ago, made up my mind then we're fine. Yeah. No changing now. We're going to onside kick it in the third drive in September. No changing now. No. Let's keep going. So, you know what has been changing, though, Michael? 
has been the the fan support. And that's something that I don't think you, you can ignore as as a president, as a um, athletics director. You know, you don't have the support of the fan. You don't have people saying we're, we're okay, so we, we went four and six this year, but there's a lot of things to be proud of. We're, we're, there's a lot of, there's hope in the program, good direction, uh, trending in the right direction. You don't have that. You, you have a lot of people saying, not, not just that they don't believe that the coach can be successful or will be, but they're like, if he's still the head coach, I am not spending another dollar with the department. Right. And that's something you have to factor in a year when as a program program, they missed out on a ton of ticket sales, just a ton of money in general. And then to have people who got used to not going to games for a year because of COVID and the availability of tickets and a team going four and six, they, they have to deal with that on top of the next year of just kind of the overall apathy that you've already discussed there. Yeah. So our buddy, our man, Rob bro has been tracking pulse of the people and I, I he'll be able to show you the, the trends, but I, I can tell you on these final pulse of the people polls that he's been doing. Uh, he did one for Wells, Yost and Patterson, uh, throughout most of the season. Um, it is, <laughs> it's not pretty. So for head coach, do you, the final approval rating for the 2020 Texas tech football staff, Matt Wall's performance as the red Raider head football coach, 83% disapprove of a Twitter poll. Yeah. Granted, but yeah, it's a Twitter poll. We, we know this <laughs> and it, but there's, it's for over 400 votes on it right now. And there's yeah. still 13 hours left. There's 83% say, no, I don't like him as a head coach. And you thought that was bad. You, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore a number that's worse. Like David Yost's performance as the Redditor offensive coordinator, 95% disapprove 95%. And Wells is like, no, we're good. <laughs> we're going to roll with Yost. Everything's fine. We're just going to keep going. The one shining star, bright star, whatever you want to call it. The only coach <laughs> with an, a, a positive approval rating. Keith Patterson's performance as the Red Raider defensive coordinator, 71% approve. Which is interesting because um, I think it has very little to do with statistical performance as much as trending in the right direction, looking like you're getting better, doing what you're supposed to uh, most of the time. Whereas you can't say that for Wells, you can't say that for, for Yost. Um, so statistically your, your defense improved a little bit, but this is like without the data, it's it, perception it's, it's, more yeah, than anything. Yeah. It's perception. But like without this going, you know, historical data back into, you know, 2010, this may be your most liked defensive coordinator in a decade. And people were roasting him when he first came. He's like, his scheme's not going to be successful. It's it, oh, it's going to put you in a bad spot. And like, I was like, one of them. I felt like he was never pressuring the quarterback. He could never get pressure to him. And I think that was one thing they approved on this year. The rest of it was kind of, kind of a wash, like you said. But they're probably 
probably things were worse in areas and some things were better, but I do think they were more effective at, at pressuring the quarterback and the, as if they didn't have that crazy Houston Baptist game, the past defense would have been pretty decent. That sets you up for a bad start because you started off like dead last and you stayed there for a while. Um, you had performances against TCU, Baylor, and Kansas that greatly helped your pass rating. But yeah, 71% for defense, defensive coordinator approval rating at Texas Tech. You take that. It shows our expectations are low. It is. <laughs> it just, does. We're just like, don't give up. What did they end up giving up? Uh, and I know you're going to go over it a little bit later, but it was close to 40 points a game. Okay, don't give up 45. Which is what you did in 2016. Yeah. Don't give up 45 points per game and, and we'll, we'll probably, you know, build a statue for you at some point. Yeah. Cause like, okay. Going back to the perception, I, th- I think what it was like when, when you go back and look at the games and, and, you know, if you're gonna cl- you know, take clips out of our post game instant reactions, we hardly ever said the defense lost you that game. Maybe Texas, right. When, 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 yes. when they went prevent and gave up 15 points in three minutes. Um, Every other game, you're like, your defense did well enough to keep you in that game, which is not something you could have said for nine out of 10 games in any season before 2009. Yeah. I mean, or sorry, going back until 2009, you couldn't have said that for any other season. Yeah. And, and tech, you know, tech won against TCU. I mean, uh, Houston Baptist. I don't know why I got those confused. That's one has music, one doesn't. But I think the issue with that is that we just didn't, we just didn't see any huge mistakes on defense. Um, you know, the, nothing crucial. But yeah, the Texas game, that last drive at TCU, but that was after the missed field goal that I've, I think I've talked about three or four times. I never felt that was so much on the defense as a, to just, just the bad, the bad karma was going our going against us after that field goal anyway. And, and that last drive against Kansas had, had Kansas been able to, you know, convert a fourth down to save their life. Like they were what one for five on the day converting fourth downs. Mm-hmm. They considering that were able to get close enough to give you a little bit of heart palpitations for a second that like, Oh my gosh, are we about to lose to Kansas twice in a row? H- had you lost that game? I, I think you would have been, you would have said one. Yeah. Your offense sucks. But like to you crumbled late against Kansas defensively. You you allowed them to do all that kind of stuff, but you didn't. Um, you know, as much as Kansas was not able to convert on fourth downs, you kept them from converting on fourth downs just as much as they did. So um transfers, another another concerning area that we're hearing rumors from uh is that we've been told not to expect Alan Bowman back. Which yep. you kind of say, well, we kind of expected that, but for the majority of the season, he was your starting quarterback. Your starting quarterback is probably transferring. And what's, what's strange is most people seem okay with it. And I think because they're expecting Barry Morton to come in and be the starter. Listen up. He, he plays in 3A Texas high school. Hey, right? hey, there's hey you're a, talking. There's a big that's, jump between. That's my bread and butter, man. Right, but would you say your starting quarterback at Merkel High School was ready to come in and take over a power five? No. like You know what's funny? We played two quarterbacks my senior year. Which works in high school, usually. 
yeah, it, it worked off and on, but it was so transparent. One quarterback was kind of the scrambler guy who could throw a good short pass. And the other guy was obviously not as mobile, but had a good arm. So when like yeah, <laughs> QB two came in, they're going to run it here, guys. Yeah. Watch. yeah when it was third and nine, it's like, uh, we can know, we know who's, who's coming in here. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, which I, I, I still, I, I find fascinating. Like the expectation is that you're going to lose your starting quarterback. And it seems like most fans are okay with that. Well, I thought it was just kind of, I'm interested to see why. Um, I wonder if it's because he's fed up with the offense or because he feels like he's not getting his chances anymore and that the quarterback room is going to be even more full next year with a healthy someday Maverick McIver and then Donovan Smith, of course, who's really promising. Pretty raw, hasn't played quarterback a whole lot, but friendship kid um, was really great at friendship. But I think that was what his second year to play quarterback. I think so. But anyway, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot pending. People are pinning a lot on Baron Morton and just thinking, oh, we'll be fine. I, I think more depth, the better. Even though Bowman was hit or miss this season, uh, really had a tough day against Kansas. I still don't know how. They just kept throwing those passes those outs i think it was just just felt like a bunch of outs and he was overthrowing everybody throwing out of bounds but anyway i don't want to put too much on baron morton either i mean he's he'll be a true freshman yeah in in a new system with four established quarterbacks in front of him four yeah and and you know bowman's got that's what all of these kids are going to have to look into is they all have this extra year of eligibility. And if there's something not working out here at tech and they think that they can latch on somewhere else, then they may be more likely to do it than in a normal year. That also could play into your hand too. You could go out and get a transfer quarterback yourself. We have not heard anything about that. Like I'm I'm not saying you're looking for a transfer quarterback. I'm just saying it still blows my mind that people like from what I can tell, most people are a okay that the assumption is Bowman is leaving. And he was your starting quarterback most of the year. Now, we looked at stats, Henry Columbia uh, and Bowman, essentially the same guy, just like Bowman and Duffy were the same guy, strangely enough, because like they, they look different, they play differently, they produce the same stats. We, we kind of make the joke, this is what a system quarterback looks like. It doesn't matter who's playing, they do the exact same thing. Um, we haven't heard anything on Columbia. Um but you've got him, you've got MacGyver, who should be healthy enough to be back. Uh, you've got Smith. Um, Bowman could still possibly be here. The the guy from Coronado or Monterey, I can't remember, the local kid. I mean, he's not going to be day one ahead of Baron Morton. No, no. But anyways, the other thing we heard that was troubling, and it, and it, it can go both ways depending on, on the staff that's here. I was told, quote, a handful of receivers would be expected to depart if no changes were made on the staff. Right. And you have to think based off of comments made in the press conference. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. After the game on Saturday, that as a comma would be one of them. Which he we'll could go to, to the see. NFL. So, like, if he departed for the NFL, you'd be like, okay, that's it's it hurts us, but, like, good luck. Whereas, like, if you were entering the transfer portal just to leave... And be like, ouch, because he made he, like, and here's the thing that, like, that I don't know how, how I, I feel about it hundred percent because as Ukonma said, he felt like he could have helped the team be more successful. He wanted the ball more, but like he still had the most targets on the team. I was like, what, what, what else did you want? Like, I understand like part of it was drops, part of it was just bad throws, but like you had, it was the, only six targets, <laughs> right? Like he led the team in targets. 
but he also had like, he did not lead the team in catches. Like it's one of those things you have to find a balance. Cause you, you know, as economy is your best receiver, but if he's one for three, like if he's averaging a 33% catch percentage, like do, do you continue to throw it to him? I don't know. And that's the thing It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where to fall. I don't disagree with him that he could have helped the team be more efficient that, you know, not feel like you're giving the game away to Kansas. Um, but also when he says, I wanted the ball more, it's like, well, you had the most targets. Like they try to get you the ball more. So there's that. And then the only one that we've heard specifically for sure, for sure is uh, guard Jackson, ja- Jackson, Jack Anderson did announce he's going to be de- uh, preparing to enter the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, he announced that pretty quickly after the game. And I think we even covered that in our instant reaction. But we just thought, man, it, it, we try to keep up with any transfers or anything going on. But, man, it is just completely silent over on 4th and University. We don't know what's happening. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 strange because, you know, we kind of expected a lot of players would be leave, leaving. Um, I would have expected to hear something more by now, but... Jack Anderson is the the only official out the door guy so far. All right. So you ready for the last TTU secondary update? Oh yeah. So ready. Okay. So y'all missed out on one last week because for some reason, I guess all the people who do the FBS stats had a long Thanksgiving, so they didn't update from the previous game, but we've got some good news. First off, 127 FBS teams have played instead of 126. Texas Tech is 97th. That is not great, but it's better. Because all year, if you've been to this <laughs> to this webpage, there are three pages to get all 120-something teams on it. And Tech has been on that third page since that many teams have played. They've moved to page two now. And they've moved up quite a bit on page two. So that's a huge jump. But anyway... Uh, two weeks ago when we did this, Tech was allowing 282.6 yards per game. They finished allowing 258.5 huge drops against uh, K-State. I mean, um, not K-State, but huge drops against uh, Kansas and who else did we play? Baylor and Baylor. TCU. Yeah. So those, those really helped the averages. And to make yourself feel a little bit better, Kansas State – is 104th, so seven places behind Tech, allowing 267.5 yards a game. And then, to make you feel even better, Texas, who was the only team worse than Tech last year. <laughs> I think I think that's right. DBU. used to be worse than Tech <laughs> this year. Yeah. They are 111th on the year. Uh, they, have, they are averaging 274 yards passing per game. They have one game left against Kansas, but I, th- I think Kansas has had quite a few positive COVID tests. So I don't know how Kansas chance that that game may not be played. I, I'm, I'm not sure yet. So I'm um, not sure how Kansas. Where it ends. Sorry, I'm, I'm not sure how Kansas has been able to field a team most of the year. It feels oh, like they're rolling what, with like yeah, thirty guys. That's, that's what hurt so much last week too. Was I didn't realize it, and I don't, I don't think we mentioned it either. But for those of you who didn't know, I think Kansas was missing 30 something guys on their roster. I think they yeah. had 50, 50 and change. 
and then they still had like they still like eight in-game injuries too oh gosh they were dropping like flies yeah it was that that what's that's what made that game even more frustrating yeah like that i think the number i saw was 35 they were missing 35 players and they like i said had at least eight guys go down Two or three of them looked like they were very serious. One of them was was carted off with like neck brace. He was checked out. And yeah, being yeah, you know, mostly okay. He was able to travel home with the team, but man, well, I mean, to go from the lowest of lows in football, which are injuries, to the highest of highs, which would be possibly winning a big bet. Oh, the wait is finally over. <laughs> there it is, football. Is in full effect with many teams shredding their stuff. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get it on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantages of all of the great sign-up bonuses. That's promo code ARMCHAIR, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R, Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you were following along with the Rod, Rob Bro College Tailgate Show picks that we gave out through the 10 weeks we've been doing this, your boy Spencer here was a cool 50 and 50. I would have broken even. If you followed my advice, you would have lost no money. You would have made no money. You would have lost the house, but then you would have won it right back. Assuming you made the same monetary oh, sure. level bet on everything. Sure. Um, Michael, not that far behind 48 and 52 Rob leading the pack 55 and 45. So if you want solid betting advice to go with bet online, listen to Rob bro. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like after how many weeks did we, have we done this like 11 or nine? I can't remember, but 10, we, we, we've done 10. We've done 10. Oh yeah. Cause it's exactly a hundred games we've picked. We picked 10 a week. So that makes sense. Yeah, Rob's, Rob's statistically better than both of us. Well, hold on. I, I need to update. He picked Texas Tech basketball to go minus 70 last weekend. That did not pan Combined out. Combined men's and, men's and women's teams. So he goes yeah. five and five, where Michael and I went six and four. Support for the 23 Personnel Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? I have. Our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year, Manscaped, the best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with our new performance package. Ho, 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 fellas. Not your nice. Tis the season to, you got it, perform. You are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes the perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says, your balls will thank you, with the most sought after gadgets and scents a person could find. Nothing says pride like opening a box that says your balls will thank you in front of your mom. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a Christmas miracle. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system that's like a dang nascar it is man look guys 79 percent of partners polled admitted they that long nose here is a major turnoff do what michael and i do trim those bad boys out why not use the best tools for the job here 
This bundle also includes Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. Get 20% off and free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. I shouldn't have looked at Michael. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Dang it, Michael. You cracked there. I was was holding it together so well, but then you said sexy holes and I lost it. Dude. Okay, so as a Manscaped subscriber here, I get fresh blades every sent to me every now and then uh, as part of the subscription, but they will also send a, um, another product to test out. And I got their like, um, cooling foot deodorant spray today. Tried it out. Yeah. Yeah. I like it as somebody who wears like canvas style shoes without socks. 90% of the time, those can get kind of swampy. Oh yeah. My feet felt great today. I purposefully don't wear those because my feet get swampy. I'm a, I'm, I'm a socks guy. I just, I, I go socks all the time. I to wonder try where, to, to try to mitigate that. Wonder where else the spray could work. It's made for your, your feet, man. But <laughs> all right, let's look at the, uh, I see I did it again. All right. 2020 recap. We're going to look at some statistical performances from the football team. Briefly. Um, I think the biggest changes you'll see, I mean, all of these really are big changes. Um, your pass yards per game way down this year, only 266 per game, 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Whereas your rush yards per game went way up. You ran the ball 165 yards a game and 17 touchdowns. That's almost even Steven on the touchdowns there. Yeah. And, and, um, like that, that, when I did the math on that, the 165 yards per game felt like 50 yards too many. But then I looked back and like Sir Roger Thompson had 600 yards. Xavier White had 400. Taj Brooks almost had 300. Um, like guys were getting the, the, the ball and, and, and doing good things. Now, those 35 touchdowns were good for 29 points per game. That is the lowest it's been 20 years. It's a while. I, I couldn't even tell you when Texas Tech has scored fewer than 20, 30 points. Um, it's lower than last year. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then the other thing that's concerning third down conversion percentage, just under 37%. So, only converting on one out of every three third downs is not going to help your offense out. Um, usually starts with uh, just weird play calls on first and second down that get you no yards, puts you behind the chain, third and long, and uh, low percentage plays. Or the strange, like, inexplicable, your receivers run a route short of the yard to gain on third down and get tackled right where they stand. is like, that feels like a fairly easy thing to fix. Like that seemed to happen a lot this year and especially Saturday. That, that feels like a coachable moment. So like 
whether that's Joel Fulani, uh, who's a receivers coach, uh, Luke Wells, inside receivers and tight ends coach, David Yost, like, hey, like, look, look, you need to be aware of down and distance. So, like, it's third down. You run your route. Make sure you get past the line to gain and then break your route off to whatever it needs to be. There were so many times, like I said, this weekend, but also throughout the season where it felt like you would run your route a yard short and get tackled and not convert the first down. Defense, um, Michael already gave you the update on passing yards under 260 yards per game. That's down like 200 yards from a few years ago. That's You can't ask for more than that. Your rush yards were still kind of concerning, almost 190 yards per game. Um, you know, you, you wish you were a little bit better there, but I think your rush, rush yards per attempt were just over four where in previous years, it's been like five and five and a half. Um, right. And I, and I think that, that r- those rush yards got worse at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, when, when you give up 300 to, to Oklahoma state, yeah, uh, what felt like 300 against Oklahoma, um, I mean, it was kind of the opposite of the past yards. You know, I think, I think tech was able to contain the run decently in the first half of the season. And then the roles kind of swapped because that was probably the philosophy of the teams they played too. Yeah. The, the concerning thing here is you gave up a touchdown more per game on defense than you were able to score on offense. You gave up 36.6 points per game. Um, I mean, as a, as a sub 500 team, giving up more points than you score is kind of, you know, how it works. Third down, you allow teams to convert more than 41% of the time. So as much as we talked about the approval rating for Keith Patterson, the numbers don't really hold that out, but it's the perception. It felt like you were in games. The defense did not have anything to do with like, you weren't getting blown out early on. You're like, our defense can't stop anything. There were long stretches of games where you felt like had your defense been from 2018, 2017, you're like, we're not in this game anymore. But that wasn't the case. So, yeah. And I think they were, I would even say that they were more individual standouts on defense than on offense, at least consistently. Yeah. I mean, you know, Schooler was always making plays. Merriweather, Eli Howard had a pretty good year up until he, he was hurt or opted out, whatever happened there. McPherson was on top of every single fumble. Uh, you, you know, the, Fields made some good plays. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned Schooler or not. I probably did. But but there were a lot of standouts on defense, uh, but the offense just couldn't – it was not consistent enough to get Vasher involved ever. Uh, Ezekama was rarely involved. Carter was involved as, as much as he could be until he was hurt. You know, Rigdon was very quiet. He was hurt too. It just – you know, we had two different quarterbacks start. Yeah, it was just a rotating door. The only thing were the 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 uh, running backs. That was the most, you know, the most concrete group of guys that we got to see every week. So when you mentioned TJ Vasher, I wanted to go back and look really quickly. He had 227 receiving yards this year. Yikes. His low year previous to this, I mean, outside of his true freshman year, when he only caught two passes, um, was last year at 515. So he had fewer than half as many yards this year than he did in his otherwise worst year. 2018, he had almost 700 yards. Um, 2017, he had just, he had 545. 
So 545, 687, 515, 227. It'd be really tough to see or to not picture him on that list we mentioned earlier of possible players who could be looking elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that part of it's he's struggled to get on the field here and there, but I don't remember them throwing the ball to him at all, hardly in the last six weeks. No, I don't think so. Whereas your your leader in Eric Azukanma, uh, 750 receiving yards, uh, had 664 last year. Um, and then 2018 was his true freshman year. He got two passes for 48 yards, including that one for 44 yard touchdown uh, against Houston. I think it was or Lamar. Anyways, just think of beauty. Um, so yeah, the bowl game outlook uh, more that we like here talked about it sounds more and more like Texas tech would not participate in the bowl game this year. Uh, Texas tech may not be invited to a bowl game. We had a few more canceled so we're up to 11 now. So Red Box, Hawaii, Bahamas, Holiday, Quick Lane, Pinstripe, Sun, Fenway were the games we announced we talked about last time. Now we've got the Celebration, Las Vegas, and LA Bowls all have been canceled. Yep. So, I mean, quick math, less bowls, less chance a four and six team gets invited. Yeah. Um. So the only thing I really want to talk about with the AP top 25 uh, is just related to the, the college football playoff. And I know they're not the same uh, rankings is that Ohio state just had their sixth game, the game they needed to qualify for the big 10 title game. They had it canceled. Yeah. By so, Michigan, Michigan. So they, <laughs> I mean, no, as, no blood loss there or what? No lost blood there. What's the thing? Blood I don't loss, remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that helps John Harbaugh. Love lost? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I don't know why I brought blood into it. Like I said, the interesting thing is now they're at 5-0. They're one game shy of qualifying for their conference title game. Um, There have been lots of people talking about the possibility of the Big Ten adjusting that rule and letting them participate anyways. But then you get all the outrage of teams who are like, and rightfully so, uh, Baylor and TCU from a few years ago where they were left out of the playoff because they had one fewer data point when they're talking about like you had 12 games compared to these teams that have 13 which instigated the Big 12 adding back at the, the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Now we'd be talking about teams that have played 9, 10, 12 games and a team that's played 5 and this was always this was always going to be the issue coming up at this time anyway. And any game they lose, it makes it look even worse. And then, of course, the Big Ten had that stipulation for the championship game. They can't change that. They can't do it. No, the, the, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But they just can't. The best thing that that, that could happen would be the the playoff committee adding four more teams and and, and go to like an eight team format. Then you can justify bringing in Ohio State, and then, and then see how they do. Sure, but if you're going to keep it at four teams, you can't put a five and zero team ahead of seven and one, eight and one, eight and zero teams in A and M. And I can't believe I'm making a case for A and M going to the playoff, or Florida, or Cincinnati, um, Coastal Carolina. I, I don't like like at ten and zero. I mean, they're not going to make it, but I mean, at you know, they're ranked eleventh. 
But like expand the playoff to eight teams. I'm making a case for Coastal Carolina to get in. Especially with how they handled BYU this weekend. Liberty, nine and one Liberty, 22nd in the country. Anyways, that's what I had. The The Big 12 schedule this weekend, like we, we mentioned, I guess we, we talked about this past weekend. Um, Texas Tech defeats Kansas. We know that. It's a really crappy game. Not as crappy as uh, Texas just beating up on Kansas State, 69 to 31. That got out of hand fast. Yeah, it was, I think it was what, a, a seven point spread? And yeah. it was a 17 point game at the end of the first. Um, TCU somehow beat Oklahoma State by a touchdown in Fort Worth, 29 22. Iowa State blew out West Virginia, 42 to 6. They had essentially secured their spot in the playoff, not the playoff, the conference championship game last week, and then went and did this against West Virginia. Um, Baylor somehow was able to to hold back Oklahoma, only allow them to score 27 points. Baylor loses this game 14, 27. Um, but they, I don't think OU scored till right before halftime or maybe they, they may have kicked a field goal, but I, I I don't think they got into the end zone until right before halftime. So that, that does set the, the conference championship game, even though we have eight teams in action this upcoming weekend, Iowa State and Oklahoma will face off on the 19th. Uh, This weekend, you've got Oklahoma traveling to West Virginia. Texas going up to Lawrence to face Kansas. Oklahoma State going to Baylor. And then Louisiana Tech playing TCU. So I said eight teams. Seven teams are are, are in action this weekend because TCU was able to add a non-conference game to their schedule. So any, any of those games you're looking forward to, Michael? This weekend, no, uh, I can't help but be that guy that's just, well, you know, the, the championship's already decided, so what? That's yeah. how I'm looking at it. And they have no playoff implications, which is kind of the downside of the playoff in general. And I know that you know, people talk about that, but I try not to be that guy um, and just enjoy the football as it as it's presented to me. But, I mean, I, I think the – if. Oh, U.S. Virginia could be interesting, but I don't really have much of an interest in the others. But I am, uh, although I'm not a fan of the conference championship game, I am excited to see OU and Iowa State play each other again. I think that's going to be a completely different game than it was the first time. Sure. Yeah, th- this kind of feels like those like week 16 games in the NFL when um, the playoffs have already been decided, the seeding's been been taken care of, like you're gonna get Spencer Rattler out there for like a half versus West Virginia. Right. like the game will still be in question, but he won't come out in the second half. Um, just cause it really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm sure that, that they want to win that game. They're going to do what they can to win the game. But like you said, with the conference championship game already decided, neither one of those teams, I mean, Iowa state may be as close enough to jump up and be considered if they win the, the title game. Um, they'd still be a two loss team no matter what. Yeah. You know? So they, even then it would be an outside shot. So like, you know, they don't play this weekend. I always say it doesn't. They, they just have the conference championship game, but like there's nothing left on the schedule that has any meaning to it. So like, well, I'm, I'm kind of glad Texas Tech isn't playing this weekend because that'd be a lot of that same kind of mentality. Um, God, I don't want to watch that game because it means nothing. Like Texas at Kansas. I mean, Kansas is so bad. Like there's not even like an outside shot of them upsetting Texas again. It's just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and and there's even 
really everything is set as far as the standings. Iowa State's eight and one. This is just Big Twelve, of course. Iowa State's eight and one. Oklahoma's second at six and two. And then there are three teams with five wins, then two teams with four wins. So you've got Oklahoma State five and three, Texas five and three, TCU five and four, West Virginia four and four, Kansas State four and five. I mean, those are the only positions that may jog around a little bit depending on what happens this weekend. But unfortunately, our guys are firmly in eighth place at three and six. Baylor's behind Tech at two and six. And even if Baylor wins this weekend, somehow beating Oklahoma State, they would still be three and six, but uh, we would own that tiebreaker. And then Kansas is, of course, last at 0 and 8. So Tech's going to finish eighth no matter what. But, and then, you know, the top two are determined no matter what. And then the fact that Oklahoma State's playing Baylor and Texas is playing Kansas. Those two spots shouldn't change either. And TCU's not even playing a Big 12 game this year or this weekend. I, I don't know. It just seems like everything is already set. Everything's decided. But let's have another week anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, spots three through seven are up, up for grabs. That means nothing. So, um, yeah, all that is is bragging rights to somebody who's like, well, we, finished- well, we may not have been good, but we've... Y'all finished sixth and we finished fifth. Yeah. So, Michael, big question, now what? Yeah, now what? <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest thing that we have to go back on is is, is look at our, our preseason predictions, right? You and I predicted um, one, two, three, four wins. Yeah, that was it. You and I both predicted four wins. We got to four wins. But it's, it's, it's that, that perception again, that like Texas Tech was not like, this is who they were expected to be, right? They were expected to be ninth in the conference. You're going to finish eighth, um, win four or five games, probably four, you win four games. And we were talking about this before we started recording. I think we did at least, uh, if not, we we're going off this again, but the general feeling in the fan base is like, mutiny like we got to go after wells just like yeah. considering that and 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 looking back it's like you did exactly what you thought you would do but now you were incensed like you have to go fire your coach well and that isn't i, I don't want to i don't want to confuse predicting that tech would go with four wins making four wins acceptable <laughs> yeah okay that's, that's right <laughs> that's not where tech needs to be the the fact that we were able to pre- to predict that is is kind of concerning and, and that's probably why I'm so wishy-washy and you know, I, I live in the gray, man. I'm not a black and white kind of guy, so I can see both sides of so many things and I talk myself through way too many scenarios, but that's why I'm not ready to light the tiki torches and head over to Wells's house or something and, and demand that he load up his U-Haul and get out of town. I, I think it's because I talked myself into such a low expectation coming into this season. I think it's my own fault. I came into this season like, ah, Tech's going to win four wins. Oof. And and nothing's going to change because it's COVID year and that it, it wouldn't make sense to change after two years unless something awful, awful happens, like one win or none. And then 
you know, start over and just completely reboot. It feels like three years has always kind of been what most of us have had in our head. And now that tech, you know, kind of blew a chance to win a game in Stillwater and they blew a chance to win a game in Fort Worth and we're completely outmatched in Ames and barely, barely squeaked by it's Kansas. Now that those things have happened, then it turns into, well, sure, we thought it was going to be four wins, but the decision-making and what we're seeing and it, it, it counteracts all of that. So I, I'm not firmly in the let's get a, get rid of Wells right now. I don't know if that's going to fix anything. It's It's a huge risk. It's a risk to keep him. I understand that. I agree with that. I wish there was some way he could be taken away from game management decisions. <laughs> hey, you're the head coach, but let's, um, let's strip you, you know, of the head Patterson, responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Patterson <laughs> called a super vanilla game on, on uh, and you know, he's not calling the offense, obviously, but he just a super vanilla game on Saturday. And I think all of us were very pleased. We were just tickled that, that you know, there wasn't a fake punt or something on one of those, on that fourth down scramble where Bowman ran for four yards or something. There wasn't some fake punt that got squashed seven yards behind the line of scrimmage or something. So I, I'm, I'm kind of just in the mindset of this is where roughly, not exactly how I thought we'd get here, but this is roughly where I thought Tech would be and that mo- more people would be on board with giving Wells another chance because they saw what we did and saw that oh, it's going to be about a four-win season. It's going to be rough. Next year is going to be the proving year, and then that's when uh, S is going to hit the fan, and we'll just kind of roll with our punches there. Yeah, and going back to your point about, okay, so we predicted four wins, uh, and, and we got four wins, but now everybody's upset. I think – at least where I'm at and, and you, you touched on it is it was, it was the decision-making. This is the, the biggest issues we have with this team. You can't contribute it to a lack of talent. I mean, you can kind of extrapolate, okay, well maybe you wouldn't have been in that situation. Had you had a better team? Well, sure. But. Or lack of effort. I mean, that's something I could, we could credit the coaches a little bit. Yeah, these, for sure. This, this team is, has always they may have, there may have been a, a handful of plays that someone could point to if they really looked into it and just kind of felt like, us, you know, that kind of felt like a give up play, but games, stretches, quarters, anything like that. No, I never felt that. And I never saw that from anybody really. Yeah. There were very like identifiable moment, identifiable moments under Cliff Kingsbury. You're like, this game's over to, to, to Texas tech. It could be in the third quarter. It could be in the first, whatever. But you could see it happening, like whatever whatever the other team's going to do is they're going to do it. Like it's you know they're going to allow it because Texas Tech is done. They, they've checked out. You have not seen that at all this year, um, which is a huge pause. That's one of those those mental aspects of the game. You're like, well, how do you turn that around? Like, how do you turn around penalties? How do you turn around not giving up on the on the on the team? Both of those things were were huge wins in my book uh, this year for for Wells and and, and Texas Tech. But also, like I said, the the problems that we have with the team, you can't say, well, they're due to a lack of talent or, you, you know, you didn't have the preparation because of COVID. So like you, you, you're just unprepared going to this game. Like, well, 
everybody had the same circumstances you did, but not everybody was making the same decisions that make you question whether or not your coach is suitable to be coaching at this level. So I, again, I think the biggest thing for me is the decision-making from the head coach, sticking with things that shouldn't have, or at least not reevaluating <laughs> circumstances like, Hey, maybe we hold off on that, on that onside kick versus Oklahoma state. Um, maybe we, we, we figure out that like we do, or we don't, don't have a field goal kicker. Don't go back and forth on that. Like for so long, um, like don't show no confidence in your kicker and then put them out there in a spot that you've predetermined you're going to have to kick something. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, th- th- there was a lot of stuff. I, I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy with all that. Basically where I'm at is, and maybe it is apathy. Maybe that's the bad part of it is I'm not to the point where I am demanding he be fired. I am to the point where if he's fired, fine. If he's not, that's what I expected would happen anyway. So I'm not going to get too worked up about it. And then I would like to see a change in the offense somehow, whether it's a coordinator position or bringing in a co-OC or something. I, I just don't feel like this offense is productive and definitely not as productive as we've been led to believe that it can be. And, uh, you know, the special teams back to what you said too, that's, that's not a great look to have a kicker like Garibay who up until Saturday had been perfect and have him on the bench for half the year and not attempt a field goal for six weeks because you can't trust the guy that's your kicker until you've trot him out there to try to win the game against TCU. So, or not even win the game, but get the three points before you need the seven. I don't even know. (laughs) So strange. So that's just kind of where I'm at. I I think a lot of people are more firmly in one place or the other, but if y'all listen to this long enough, you know, I have a bad habit of not being firmly in one place or the other. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm with you on that and that I, I go back and forth a lot or I, you know, I forget what I said and I end up changing my mind and I end up, you know, sitting on the fence or taking both sides. But, you know, at this point, it just feels like we know what Wells and Yost are. And if we're not getting rid of Wells, I could accept that if we're going to try to to modify the offense. I know a lot of people are saying, well, you can't get somebody in here for one year uh, they're not going to hitch their wagon to Wells. That's not how you're not going to change, you know, offenses in one year, but like, you know, teams do turn around one side of the ball in one year under new coordinators. Like you've, you've got time to install a, a, a system coach to it and how you have the personnel to run it and put yourself in the best position to win. Um, you, you have talent. You're, you, you would hope that the guy you, you hire is not going to force round peg square hole or whatever. Um, you know, they're going to force feed their, their system. Um, so, you know, at the very least I would want a new offensive coordinator. We've discussed this before. I'm not tied to a specific system. Um, I think if we, if we don't see coastal Carolina staff poached by somebody, I'm going to follow them in 2021. Uh, especially on the offensive side, because I think they're, 
their their version of the triple option run at least is fascinating, interesting, innovative to me. Um, I don't have coaching suggestions to to replace Wells or sorry Yoast. Um, there are a lot of people that you, you could throw out and you, you can come up with arguments for and against like um, Harrell or Cumby or any number of air raid type guys. I'd just be like, well, that would just be Kingsbury 2.0 or they don't have enough experience or blah, 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 whatever. Um, I just want to see effort made to, to making a change because what we saw this year in offense while it appears Wells is going to commit to his guys and, and not make a change, it just wasn't good enough. You can't score less than 30 points a game and give up 36. You're de- and as much as that, that may be on your defense, scoring 29 points a game at Texas Tech is not acceptable. That's not something that, that fans have come to expect because of the 20 years under Leach and Tuberville slash Brown and Kingsbury. Um, you just have a higher standard of that. And you have the talent to do it, I think, on offense. Yeah, and you still have the brand and the cachet to say that this is what we do to get playmakers who can catch the ball, who who can make moves with the ball, who can throw the ball. You know, you you, you have the you have the recruiting tool, but it's dwindling. It's it's getting harder and harder to say, yeah, come to tech, we throw the ball all over the place when we average 160. No, what was it? 260 yards a game. Yeah. And and running for 170, which that's fine. Um, it, it, it felt like times this year, you didn't have an offensive identity, like find what you are, whether, you know, it's with a new coach or you get very serious about, you know, maintaining Wells again. And sorry, I, I keep saying Wells when I mean Yoast. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, the possibility of, of losing players and recruits, losing fan support. But if that's the way you're going to go, you, you, you definitely have to to be committed to it. You have to be, you know, this is what we're going to do. Um, with the understanding that like, if 2020 is repeated in 2021, there is absolutely no expectation that you're returning again. So that's where I'm at with that. Yep. Me too. Which is kind of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. For me anyway, speaking for myself. All right, Michael, let's get to some questions. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, we had a couple questions come in. Tristan McGonigal from... Oh, I'm blanking on the podcast name. Talking tech, bro. Talking tech. Thank you. Gosh, it's it's been a long day. He said, "Thought I was the only one noticing the silence." Y- you had a very, <laughs> a very nice tweet. It's, it's, you said, "It is time tonight. We'll discuss how tech has decided to go all cone of silence on the football program, and the last of non-con basketball." What's your sports Christmas wish? Send in those questions and comments. So he said, "I thought I was alone noticing the silence. Realistic wish: new offensive coordinator and special teams coach. Keep the DC. I'm okay with all three of those." Um, you bet wishes the wish wish list. Anthony Lynn has a mutual departure from LAC, uh, to Texas tech. I just, I don't think, you know, I think he's an NFL lifer type guy. I don't think he's going to be coming back to college. Um, I don't think he's coached. It's a wish. It's a wish list. Well, sure. The wish, wish list. 
And he said, if not, Graham Harrell comes home instead. Uh, I would assume as, as, as an offensive coordinator, not head coach. Um, the problem is uh, his current position, you know, while at USC, his offensive coordinator would be hard to get him away from that, even to Texas Tech. Um, but he says this job needs a hero that one that's wants it. Well, I that think wants it. Yeah, Harold would everyone would and myself included would be a little bit hesitant just because of how things went with Kingsbury and you know personally I don't want to go with go through how attached I was to the success of our head football coach because I was truly <laughs> <laughs> I defended I defended him until probably until after he was fired <laughs> probably still do sometimes um, but yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about Harold. I personally think Lynn would be great, but I'd like you, Spencer, even though this is a wish list, it, it may not be a, even the genie may go, Hey, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> even, even Santa may turn that one back, but cause I think you're right. He's, he's been in the NFL for so long that that's probably where he'll, he'll still be in some form or fashion. If, if he's, uh, if he's let go. Peter at iced wizard. What's the beards complaint about season ticket holders? I don't get it. Um, he has to know season ticket holders were only given an option of five games and at the same or higher price as last year. Yeah. I mean, was it about attendance? I, we didn't, I didn't fully see the comments, Peter, but I, I vaguely I, know what you're talking about. I know he was plea, pleading for people to fill the seats and that may have been, he may have mentioned something in during that. Is that what you saw Spencer? Yeah. And I think tied to that was that if, you know, as a season ticket holder, if you can't make it to the game, give the ticket or do something. Yeah. 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 was to make sure that that seat was going to be filled, which I think we've done really good. Uh, Texas deck has been really good at doing that in previous years. Um, but not so good this year. Attendance will contain. I, I, I would project that continue, attendance continues to improve for basketball because right now you're playing a really bad schedule. People aren't like super pumped to do this. They're still a little hesitant to be out in public. I think um, the students were all student, gone before the season started. The students are gone. They're not, they're not coming back till, you know, middle January. So um, the atmosphere that we've come to, to know and expect is not going to be there. And I think part of that may be keeping people away too. It's not the same experience they're going to because you know, the, the United Supermarkets Arena gets rocking, especially when, you, when you're hosting top teams like Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia. You're going to have to play these games without that kind of environment. Um, and as much as I think some season ticket holders don't like some of the, the antics from the students, so much of the energy of that place comes from the students. Oh, so um, much. Yes. So it, it's just, it's, it's the pandemic. It's just a completely different environment. You're, you're paying probably the, the same amount or maybe a little bit more for fewer games. Um, the product on the court is as good as, as it's been. Sure. But there's so much more than just the game itself, especially at a, an, an electric environment like the, the USA. So, I mean, I, I can understand beard wanting people to be there understand, and also understand the, the difficulties that people are facing to getting there. Right. Because I mean, and I guess the, the good thing is with the t tickets, they're all electronic. Now you can swap them somehow to somebody, but that also seems like a pain because I feel like you need way more information about someone to give them a ticket than you used to. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's just how things are now, I guess. 
but I, I understand, you know, I'm sure the five games that you got, I doubt you got to pick them. And there might be some people from out of town who just buy season tickets and they try to make it when they can. I, yeah, I, I'm sure Beard understands most of that, but I'm, I bet he's just trying to get people to fill the seats and may not have thought too much about it. Yeah. So let's wrap this up and get to what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. One of our longer episodes that we've done uh, since the summer, I think we just had lots to get through because, you know, basketball, yeah, got, got to do the, the remembrance of, <laughs> of football. Yeah. I mean, if, if this was only football, it would still be like an hour long podcast. We've got basketball that is in full effect. <laughs> so Michael, <laughs> in full effect. what do we learn? Well, some basketball teams are strutting their stuff early. <laughs> Um, no, I, namely Texas Tech, that defense, man. (laughs) We talked a little bit about it when we first started recording, but farming simulator, a game that Spencer and I both quite enjoy. I've been playing that that game for a year now. I just realized that it's right out of year. It's I started this, this month last year, I think. And they've released a new free DLC about precision, precision farming where you can take soil samples <laughs> and send them to the lab and they'll tell you where you need to apply lime or where you need to apply fertilizer or manure. I mean, exactly where, and you can get super in depth and it just came out today. So I've been quite enjoying that. What little I got to play with it before we recorded, but it's just such a fun game. That's all. That's all I learned is there's new DLC. It's free. There's all sorts of new mods and DLC in this game that are free. So if anybody's looking to spend 40 bucks for Christmas, get farming simulator, no free ads. We're, we're not endorsed by them. <laughs> they by could care less about yeah. Texas tech football, <laughs> bunch of Germans over there. They don't, they don't care at all. They couldn't but anyway, it, it's a blast of a game. It's just, you'll, you lose yourself for hours and, and your, your spouse and your children wonder where you are, but eventually you come back out of the fugue state of farming and, and resume life. What did you learn? Um, so it was posted in our Slack chat, but it was uh, about the deadliest days in American history. Oh, you learned this in pretty real time. Yeah. So these are singular days, not, not like, cause some of these include wars um, and that kind of thing. But the day that certain battles happened, so like the, Deadliest day in American history so far still is the Galveston hurricane of like 1900, I believe. And they estimate 8,000 people were killed that day. Uh, the battle of Antietam, there was a day where they, the American three, 3,600 lives were lost. September 11th, just under 3,000. And then here's where it gets wild. Last Thursday, last Wednesday, last Tuesday, and last Friday, our spots four, five, six, and seven on deadliest days in American history. Followed up with the eighth spot of Pearl Harbor. It's wild, man. So that's, that's a it's a good uplifting way to end the podcast. You know, that's what I'm here for, man. I'm the eternal optimist. Can only get better from here. That's that's one way to look at it. So 
All right, we've been at this for almost two hours now. I'm going to see if I can go play some Farming Sim on the new DLC tonight. Yes. After I get this podcast edited and uploaded, there will not be an instant reaction podcast this weekend. Um, we probably won't pick those back up until conference basketball games. And even then, not every game, because I cannot commit to three podcasts a week. I just can't. Nor can I. Um, I have other farming simulator to play. <laughs> I've got Come other on, commitments. There's the new DLC. I got, yeah, I got to figure this out. Got to figure out what kind of the soil composition, if it's loamy, sandy, clay. It's Sam, sandy loam, loamy yeah. clay. It's I don't uh, even know if that's right. <laughs> pH and, and lime requirements. It's fertilization and yeah, all good times. So we will do instant reaction podcast during basketball season. It may not be as regularly scheduled as we did with football, uh, but those will still be happening. I can just say this next week, you get one podcast. Enjoy taking these basketball games. Enjoy the break off from very disappointing Texas Tech football season. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.